a game that so many decisions went against us that it, it broke us. It actually broke us spirit, our spirits as well because it, it, it's been something like, that. Is this actually possible? Like, like, are we ever, you know, going to win in All Ireland? And it's funny that's that was a semi final and that stood out more as as, as a hurt than any, any other final because we were good enough. We've been good enough so many times and. It, it, there's there's been nothing in it like like the, you know the time Killian Killian misses misses the last ditch free you know what I mean and Lee Keegan throws the GPS at, at, at Rock but like to be fair I don't feel that was a free in in the first place we could go on about it but like there's just if you're to beat Dublin and Crow Park you have to beat them well. All right, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm joined here by Paul from uh, Mayo GEA Banter, co-founder, of course, of, uh, of Mayo GEA Banter. Um, and of course, yeah, also of uh, Gorta 47, uh, custom range gloves, Gaelic gloves, um, other sportswear clothing, of course, as well. So yeah, Paul, I suppose, first of all, it's great to have you on. Um, obviously, you're based out in, uh, in Canada yourself. So what have you made of the lockdown so far? What have we had the lockdown so far? I think uh, this year for a lot of people has been a bit of a write-off. Um, you know, even the fact that I find it hilarious that all the jokes going around about people trying to communicate through Zoom, either family or business or even sport. And uh, I didn't know whether to you know leave the mask on for for this uh, for this chat or not. But it, it, it's I think with the biggest worry I have is it's the psyche of people. It's made people a little bit more um, apprehensive around others and. Uh, a bit awkward and I think there's a lot of unease and it's a it's a great pity it's setting off a lot of uh, uh, catastrophic events when it comes to you know family gatherings when it comes to people passing away they can't be around their loved ones you've you've got people that are you know they might be starting a new family and having a baby in the hospital but they, they have no support uh, it's tough and then when it comes to the sports side of things for a lot of people sport has always been a great you know, a good escape um, from from the daily grind, and uh, this year it's really affected people in a lot of ways. And I think my issue with the with the big COVID pandemic or scandemic or whichever way you want to call it is the fact that it actually hurts people mentally more than anything else. Because um, you know, I, I'd be friends with people of all ages, but there's there's a couple of elderly people that we'd always chat about football together, and you know, they'd be one of their times back playing football back in the day, and and now they're kind of like, well, if this is what life's about, you know, what's the point? Like, I'd rather you know, enjoy my life than we locked up all day and all night because, you know, we've the fortunate uh, ability of having, you know, social media or having, you know, internet that crosses all borders, but like older people, they only have their immediate people to, to talk to and meet up with and chat about the game or, or chat about life uh, in person and the other people I really feel sorry for. So this year, I think sport has taken a bit of a back burner and rightly so because there's things that are more important than sport, even though up until now a lot of us might not agree with that, but it certainly is that way because this is literally life and death now and it's, it's literally a stage of where um, you know people are just being cut off which is making life pretty tough um, mm. thankfully you know sport has come back in, in certain ways but it's just not the same um, this weekend at home in Mayo it was obviously very jubilant, jubilant scenes with, with, with you know three county finals with, in, in junior intermediate and senior but you know, the buzz is not the same as it was and people are nearly afraid to meet up and congratulate the lads on winning or whatever else. And I don't know, I find, I find that bit, uh, a bit, bit kind of sad really. In, in one respect, appreciate the games wrong. In another respect, I kind of wonder if the season was completely written off, would people really mind, you know? 
Yeah, I suppose it is kind of an interesting one because obviously, like at one stage, you had fans in there. Then there was fans that weren't allowed, and fans were allowed. And then here in Dublin, fans aren't allowed again, obviously, because Dublin's gone back into level three lockdown. So it kind of is uh, all up in the air. Um, like, what's the situation like in Toronto at the moment? Like in terms of uh, of Gaelic football, like if have you been back up playing back in Toronto yet, or is uh, is things suspended there? So um, you know the. While Gaelic football is a religion back home, uh, outside of Ireland, it's uh, it's not, um, and it's you're really you're at the you're at the mercy of you know local government. You're at the mercy of of uh, local parks and authorities that will allow people to gather or not. And uh, you know I've been involved with soccer teams and Australian football teams as well in, in a coaching capacity, and it's the same as the Gaelic football here, where you know if the government say you're not allowed to gather, you're not allowed to have a meeting. Well, there's no question there is no Gaelic football. And uh, that's why there's been no com- competitions here uh, this year. Uh, professionally, uh, for example, the basketball and the baseball um, is back along with the uh, OHL, which is a, a league underneath the underneath the professional league in hockey. But, um, of course, they have the professional capacity to bring that on board uh, in terms of they have their, you know, their strategies in place to have it on TV, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're, when you're borrowing grounds to play on public parks, you're at the mercy of local government, and unfortunately, that means that there's been no games at all, um, which people do respect because you know what, what are you going to do about it? But it is obviously frustrating on people too, especially uh, when you're away from home. It is very nice to you know meet up with your own crowd and uh, you know talk about stuff back home too, and give them give give them the odd slagging about what's happening on the the county scene or the club scene. So obviously, the, yeah, I've seen obviously um, as well. Um, you're obviously quite heavily involved with, with Gaelic football over in New York as well. Can you explain a bit to me what that was about and what your kind of role was over there? Yeah, so New York is, um, I mean, it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of a bit of a dream of a place to play. To, re, to, to be honest, in Gaelic Park because it's steeped in history. You know, that ground has been there uh, since the the turn of the century, and it's always been known as Gaelic Grounds, has always been Gaelic football and hurling played there. And there's some there's some footage from way back that, you know, it's very, very interesting to watch and to see. Um, now Gaelic Park is obviously what would have been a little bit outside of the city in the Bronx is now kind of in, in, in the middle of the city. And it, it has its struggles there as well, where playing there is fantastic, but there is no actual place for uh, other teams to actually play while there's a game in progress. So there's no place to warm up, for example. And sometimes they run into a lot of... Uh, you know, time slot blockages because you've got so many teams waiting to get onto the field, but no one has actually warmed up yet. So it leads to injuries and it leads to a few issues that way. Um, about 10 years ago, they actually had plans to move further out of the city, about uh, 20 minutes or so. It didn't really come to fruition. And uh, to be honest, as, a, as a, just a general GA uh, supporter, I'd love to see that happen because they'd have more uh, control over, over their games and they'd have more control over, over clubs uh, uh, traveling further afield some clubs travel all the way from Connecticut and, and Boston as well at times so um, when you're riding to Gaelic Park you, see, you might sometimes not leave the ground until like 12 o'clock at night 1 o'clock in the morning because games were, were, were blocked up and uh, as a referee over there too it was kind of tough because you're running the games off a timer but uh, with traffic problems in the city and all that like again uh, you know Gaelic football isn't going to be more important than what's happening in the traffic so to to have a game fixed for six or seven o'clock in the evening just wouldn't happen. They might start that same game at eight o'clock in the evening, which led to a massive backlog. Um, apart from all that, though, um, such a great place to play. Like there's, there's, you know, it's steeped in history. There's, um, 
there's a, a serious uh, amount of, of, of talent out there too, especially the Irish Americans. There's a club there called Rockland GA. And what really uh, blows me away about Rockland GA is they've literally done it all themselves. They got some help from the GA, but a lot of it has been uh, their their facilities and their clubs have been developed by, by Irish Americans there themselves. So they'd be a team to watch for the future. And as you've seen from you know the New York County team itself that played Mayo last year, which was you know which is a fantastic occasion. There's more and more Irish Americans involved every year, which is great to see because that's that's where you see the game truly truly growing. Um, I feel that though it, what's tough for New York is that they don't really have many challenges uh, before they get into the kind of championship. Like last year, for example, a fantastic location. Um, I had. Uh, you know, the Mayo Banter there on the day of the game as well. And we were, you know, interviewing people from, from both sides. And, um, you know, it was a great, great occasion. But the team itself didn't have much of a of a warm-up uh, in terms of games before that. Um, the year before, they played Curra Finn, who obviously were Galway and Ireland champions, which really kind of, you know, put New York in their place and they showed them that this is the standard you want to be at. But uh, last year, 2019, there was, there was none of that. And, and against Mayo, there wasn't much of a competition unfortunately because we all wanted to see a competitive game but Mayor after coming off beating a fantastic Kerry team in, in the league final and you know we're just have a different standard so what I'd love to see in the future and I really feel like that I wish there was more inroads made in this was that you know there'd be county teams in the likes of Chicago, Toronto uh, and Boston especially as, as this even San Francisco is not, is not a bad setup for, for gated games that would, would have some sort of a county setup to kind of at least be part of a preliminary round for the likes of New York that would bolster them going forward, you know. Um, if you if you look at the likes of London over there and the other side of the county championship, well, London have good competition in the rest of England as well. They have some very good club teams that could actually give them a run for their money, you know. And um, that that benefited them a few years ago when they got to the comic final, which is another great occasion. Um, but New York just don't have that right now. Yeah. And I suppose, like, definitely even something they could do is even have, like, obviously you have, you know, tier one, tier two tier three potentially coming along they could yeah. even have maybe even their own turn with let's say if new york you know if new york didn't be a sligo or a mayo which most likely nine times out of ten will happen you know you could have your own tournament then where it could be yeah. new york toronto boston chicago and i'd imagine as well that would be a great way of actually growing the broad or growing the sport abroad and actually you know having more people involved as well yeah it would um you know obviously the Jays done great things over the years, but I feel in, in certain regards they've kind of they haven't driven on from, you know, where some there would have been like literally revolutionary people from from back in the day that started the organisation in 1884 and they came from, you know, uh, lovers of the Irish language to the members of the IRB, for example, and you know they they, they had the foresight to see where this organisation was to come, and I feel like in, in more recent years it's kind of stalled a lot, and uh, I think young blood coming up through it um, with ideas. Uh, have had it tough to kind of get those ideas across because what you're saying is actually, it's not that hard done. You know what I mean? A lot of it is just a bit more organization, a bit more uh, open communication and, you know, a bit less that this is my club and that's your club, whatever else, a bit more like this is our game. Do you know what I mean? And, and one thing I, I did learn about the World Games in Crow Park when I was, um, you know, interviewing people there as, as, as part of the TV work was the fact that, you know, um, sometimes clubs abroad for example, um, you know, there's clubs in France and Germany and there's a club over in Moscow called Moscow Shamrocks and uh, I actually coached them there over, over two different legs and because they were kind of so far, far removed from the uh, organization in Crow Park, they just done it their own way and they made it work and, and, and then they came under the reins of either one of the provinces that governed over them 
or or they just kind of ran it themselves because they were doing all the work themselves anyways. And sometimes that works. You don't have to go through the big system of having, you know, a chairman, like, you know, your treasurer, this, that, and the other traditional system where people are just, they, they flow better. It'd be almost like comparing, you know, a semi-state body with, uh, you know, your, your newer tech companies like, you know, Google, for example, or LinkedIn, where uh, in these tech companies, they're more fluid. But in, in the older uh, corporate organizations, there's more tiers. And sometimes the tiers, things get blocked up. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely different ways of looking at that going forward. It doesn't always have to be the traditional way, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I definitely think it is something they should look at. Um, you know, even you could do something where, you know, a lot of the different, you know, Toronto, New York, they all, they all play each other, like what we were saying. And then even the winner maybe goes ahead and plays a Sligo or a Mayo or something like that. So then they actually, they have games under their belt. Um, I suppose kind of moving on from that, obviously I can see you there in a, in a Mayo top, which uh, as a Dublin fan, you know, it doesn't always sit right with me. But uh, at least it's over a Zoom, so it's okay. <laughs> well, we, we have one for every day of the week, you know. Like, so it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I suppose, like, how would you feel as a Mayo fan going into, uh, going into the championship this year? Because obviously it has been, I mean, I, I, th- I thought 2019 looked good for Mayo. Like, you won the league. All Ireland semi final, beating the likes of Mayo and Armand, the qualifiers, you know, kept, you know, getting through Kerry and Donegal. I know they they lost to Kerry, but you know, still got through that group. So, I suppose, like, how would you feel as a as a Mayo fan going into this year's championship? Well, of course, um, you know, this year has just been even you know uh, we were chatting on a phone call the last day about the league and. Uh, Feel like the league is ten years ago now. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it feels so long ago. Like this year has, it's, it's been a time warp in every way. It's hard to. Some people feel like it's been a long year. People feel like it's a short year. Uh, other lads are now advertising their products for Christmas, so that's kind of scary, you know. But um, the thing is, uh, this year, um, I, I firmly believe that um, if you look at people outside of sport, they've used twenty twenty as a time of. Uh, kind of looking at things, looking at where their life is at in terms of their career or their family or, or how they can do better in various things or, you know, maybe they haven't got the best of health and they're trying to work on their health, for example. But these are all very positive things that have come out of COVID-19. And I feel like it was a year that um, with the Gaelic Athletic Association, like any associations, we had, had the problems with the with the FAI, for example, with John Delaney and that. But there's been, there's little tweaks and, and uh, little kinks in, in, in the pipes that could have actually been sorted out, you know, and, and it could have been used as kind of a year to like tidy up, you know, issues from before with, with player welfare, with, you know, with, with games just uh, going back, one back to the other with, with, with younger players being asked to play on four or five different teams. But yet when it comes to the senior a few years later, these players with great prospect have also just disappeared. And it could have been used as a year to really kind of, focus on weak points like every organization has weak points and 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 really kind of develop the game going forward in, in the future and like it's now you know we're coming into october i don't think there's any reason to have a you know intercounty championship this year that's my, that's my own viewpoint um the club championship uh in football in hurland has been fantastic and you know it's really brought a focus back onto the clubs of where these great players come from um, you know, in our own situation uh, back in Mayo, um, you know, this weekend, um, you know, the, the infamous uh, Aidan O'Shea, who's been on the county scene for years, unfortunately, has missed out on another county final, like a, a fantastic player. But I suppose what, come, what it comes down to at the end of the day is that there's, there's always good players in Mayo and there's always good players in the club scene that don't get seen when, uh, you know, when everything is on the, focused on the inter-county championship. And again, 
uh, no one planned this this pandemic this year, but like take the positives of that, and you can see most of the country have seen these fantastic club players that you might never have heard of before. You yourself, Aaron, you're from Dublin. There's there's players that never get seen in Dublin simply because there's only 15 players you can play in a panel of 30 or maybe extend the panel of 40. And there's some fantastic uh, club players that you will never hear of. They would probably make many other county teams, but you'll never hear them because they're from Dublin. And uh, that's a story for another day because it's such a big place. But um, you can see in other counties too, you can see these club players coming through. And again, you know, the... the Gaelic football and hurling has, has reached such a standard now that the career is shortening all the time. You know, you have a couple of years at the top and then you're you're on the way down and there's some 20-year-old, 22-year-old on the way up and he's he's ready to go. And, you know, sometimes the likes of, uh, say, Dermot Hurley, he peaked very, very young. I know he played a long time for Kildare, but, you know, he was not Ireland final at 18 years of age. And he, he thought himself in many interviews, you get to know Ireland final every year. You know, sometimes you're old enough when you, you know, when you're good enough, you know, that sort of way. And, players' careers don't last as long, you know? So um, I suppose that's a long-winded answer to, to where, I'm, where I'm going with this, this question with the Intercounty Championship. Like, look, if it happens, it happens. But if the year got written off and, and they just focused on, on January, which is only around the corner, and, and, and a couple of the preliminary leagues leading into the league, I think that would be more of a sensible approach. Yeah, and would you be surprised then, like, when, when you see, like, obviously they're, they're condensing all the matches through October, November, December, I mean, penalty shootouts for, for every game. Like, were you surprised kind of by that approach? And do you think even maybe they should just scrap it all together, at least for 2020 anyway, and, and then kind of focus into 2021? I mean, yes, because I don't, I, what's the point? You're completely, uh, you know, changing the game and you're changing the whole layout and you're, you're squishing games together for what? Like, what's, what's, what's the end goal out of this? Is, is it just to simply, in 10 years' time, to run down and go, Oh, uh, Dublin won the twenty twenty championship. We won't even remember. You know what I mean? It, it's it's going to be a blur. You know, like you're you're going to run it. Let's just say that you, you, someone left Sam McGuire in in, uh, in you know just before Christmas. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's it, it what I don't see the purpose of it running back to back. It must have been tough though. If you're a county player all year long, and you've been um, on edge keeping keeping like you know your fitness um, you know programs and everything else. Uh, taken over all the time but not really allowed to meet up with, the, with your other players and, and squad members that must have been tough because you're all year hanging on and I think a lot of the time it's the hanging on that kills people not the actual result yeah. you know and I think the decision should have been made um, for example the European Championships were called off that decision was made it was done mm-hmm. okay like you know if the GA want to be professional let them be professional if they want to be amateur let them be amateur but, but half the time they're just floating around the middle somewhere and you know it's perfect. They're professional when it suits, and then they're amateur when it suits, and then that's very frustrating. Hmm. You know, I can only imagine it must be very, very frustrating for for uh, county players. You know what I mean? Because I mean, it's hard enough as a club player these days. You know, the 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 the, the club player has a nearly professional lifestyle when it comes to Gaelic football in Ireland, and uh, you know, if you're a county player, it's another step up again. But yeah, I, sp- I suppose obviously it kind of is a you know it is an up and down situation, and you kind of you do feel sorry for the for the players in many ways. Because obviously it is the players at the end of the day that are risking their lives. They're going out there, um, you know, especially out on the pitch. Obviously, when you know we're in a level three lockdown in Dublin, I think it's mainly just from a from a GEA perspective in terms of money, in terms of TV deals. I think that's one of the main reasons why, you know, it's why they're pushing it through. Unfortunately, like obviously, like from my own point of view, I obviously want to see the matches, and I'm like in, in my point of view, I'm, I'm happy it is going ahead. But at the same time, I do get some players and even some referees that have come out 
and said, look, listen, I'm not going to take part in the, in the championship this year because I'm worried about X, Y, Z and, and, and everything else. And especially when cases at the moment are on the rise, like I do think it, it could actually be a strong possibility that the, um, you know, that the championship doesn't go ahead. I think definitely the league, I think that should, that should go definitely in my opinion. Um, like, especially like I was speaking to Dara Corcoran, you know, last weekend or last week there for, for the Waterford footballers. And he was even saying, you know, having to travel to somewhere like Antrim, um, you know, it doesn't, it, it kind of doesn't really make sense in many ways. Like when you're, when you're kind of putting players at risk like that, who have to, you know, travel from one end of the country to another just for a, a division four league game. But, um, but yeah, I suppose moving on from that, obviously, um, like I suppose if the championship does go ahead, uh, like how, how would you feel for, for, for Mayo going into the Connacht championship, let's say, for example, um, like obviously you've got Ross Common and, and, and Galway in there. Um, like Ross Common, obviously where, where champions twice in the last three years, probably have taken advantage quite a lot. Maybe when Mayo have been in transition a little bit. So like, how, how would you feel maybe going into that? Yeah, well, like, you know what I was just thinking the last day is that, like, and especially in Mayo, like, I'm not saying that Mayo is the greatest football in county on earth, but um, it is. Um, because what's happened is that if you look at, um, we have a lot of, comp- like, it's very, very competitive. There's not much between a lot of teams. Even sometimes there's not much between, you know, uh, uh, you know a lower grade senior team and, and, a, and a junior team on the way up. Um, so if the championship is to go ahead, you know, if you were the county manager of whatever county it is, would you not now be looking at an extended panel of where you're looking at some of these new club club players that have that have won recently, and they're actually flying fit? Because you know, you like if I was looking at, it, I'd be looking at lads that haven't even been given, um, you know, their their debuts for the likes of Mayo or whatever county you're looking at. Because if they're after winning the club county final and they're and they're doing well right now, I would definitely have have them brought in to whatever camps are are they're they're training out of and see what they're at because they're fresh. And that's what it's all about. I mean, there's a lot of lads through no fault of their own, and obviously ladies as well in the ladies championship, is that uh, they've been had no practice all year and been sitting around and you know, you get rusty and sometimes you pick up injuries because you've been sitting around and you haven't been active, you know. So mm. um again it's it, it's very hard to call because I think whoever if it was to go ahead and whoever wins it, it's not gonna be the same as any other year. It's just not, it's just the way it is. As I said, my I'm I'm firmly on the team of it shouldn't go ahead at all. There is, I don't see any point. There is a huge risk involved. If you want to be health conscious about the whole thing, it makes no sense from some lad traveling up from Waterford, for example, to Antrim, crossing all those borders when you have all these other shutdowns for other things. And um, I think in terms of PR exercise, the GA kind of messed up a little bit in that respect because, you know, um, they got a bit of, you know, slurs throughout the media, especially on Twitter, um, because of, well, who are you to be saying that, you know, we should be allowed to have our spectators and we should be allowed to run our championships over... The importance of other people um, at risk and yeah, definitely on local club scenes you have you know uh, the elderly population you've got parents you've got young kids a huge mix along with players that will mingle in some way shape or form either at a game or after a game or home so you've you know mm. whatever camp you're in if you're in the camp pure covid and we're doing the whole mask thing all the time well then you got to stick on that side of things and you probably shouldn't have unnecessary games as, as you have and i feel like People have got the will, will have got their fix out of club games, and I think that's fantastic that that went in because that means a lot, especially for rural communities. You know, you live in the likes of Dublin. There's plenty of distractions, but in a rural community, you know, the the, the sport is huge. It means everything. It, it's it's the it's the talk of the village all the time, and that's very very important. But um, look, as I said, it's coming into October now, and I, I firmly don't see the point. It, even 
thinking thinking back to to what you said with your question about you know the likes of Ross Ross Common have probably could have gone a bit further than they've gone over the last couple of years as as another you know competitor in 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 Connacht compared to Mayo or Galway for example. Um, it's it's really hard to see where any what any teams do right now because it all depends on what their preparation was like over the last few crazy months and and you can't blame any team if the preparation was was, was bad or, or or they're not in the shape they were in because no one knows the the rules keep changing every week in terms of even if you're having you know a funeral or a wedding or or any sort of a celebration never mind a sporting celebration or a sporting gathering so I, I really can't tell you what's what's going to go on. I mean, imagine you had a you had some sort of championship, and there's a couple of shocks in the championship because either you know certain teams had to pull out because of COVID, which opened the door for another team, or you just you just had a couple of up, more upsets because it's not as normal as frequent. But I most certainly, if I was a county manager, I'd be looking at the teams that have been active in in club duty, and I would look at some of the promising players uh, on those teams. Um, you um, were asking before about the uh, you know the county finals over the weekend, and you know Brafie are an infamous team across Ireland because they've had you know players like the likes of the O'Shea's with, with um, uh, you know the, the three brothers for example, and other some some other very good players uh, from back in the day like McNicholas back in the day played for Mayo as well. Obviously Rob Henley in goal, but they were beaten by a very very young team like four or five of those players on that not more team that won it were actually uh, Leavenstone students only last year, so. Um, with that, with that being said, I mean, there's a couple of players there that, you know, if I was manager, I'd be looking at them to bring them into the Mayo squad, simply because if you can do it in, in a county final in Mayo, well, you know, you're up there with the, with the best of them in, in, the rest, in the rest of the county. And that's not, that's not being kind of uh, biased towards Mayo, but it's, it's been proven over the years with, with teams that we've got to All-Ireland Finals in Crow Park and on the club scene. Unfortunately, too many of them lost All-Irelands in, in every grade from senior, intermediate and junior, but they've got there. You know they've yeah. got there. We've had the success of the likes of crossing lines in the Ballinaz as well, um, and and more of them will come. And who knows what will happen this year? But um, I certainly don't think there's any need for for an intercounty championship. And I myself, like a lot of people, have from the same interest that I've had in it because when it changes every five minutes, it's really hard to know how to plan. And I can only imagine if you're trying to plan, if you're part of a of a county squad or if you're a, a part of a, a coaching uh, team in a county, how hard that would be. Yeah, and I suppose then would you even think maybe of doing because obviously the the slot Neil um, hurling manager was coming out recently and he was even saying that they should just have a you know all Ireland club championship so bring back the the provincial championships for this year and then even scrap the the whole uh, you know inter county setup would that, would that be something maybe that you'd uh, you'd even be in favour of? Listen, if you're taking if they're changing the rules every five minutes with penalty shootouts and everything else, I mean like why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why not? Because at the end of the day, you know, um, as they've looked at it here before, there was a couple of businessmen they've talked about if they took, um, you know, 12 to 14, 12 to 14 players out of the NBA, like the biggest names, they could set up their own league and the money would go to that league straight away. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, a, a professional setup where, in, for example, in North America, teams move around. In, in, in football, you have the, 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 the Raiders, for example, that went from Oakland in California to LA and now they've gone to Vegas. So the teams move around all the time. It's a little bit different where in Ireland we, we go back to the parish all the time. But I think this, the stock meal manager is correct because, um, first of all, it's a club with massive foresight and a club with uh, they've actually built themselves from absolute nothing. A very, very rural club, um, an exemplary club to, to any county in Ireland. And they've got some very uh, far-thinking people in that club. And 
you know, if if you're changing the rules to to suit to suit just to make, get results rolled in, why not why not change them and, and try out something like that as well? Because to roll out the intercounty championship, why would you roll out a product? And it is a product that is subpar, and it will be subpar this year through no fault of anybody. Because at the end of the day, you know, sport is not as important as as other things that have happened in in real life. And unfortunately, COVID nineteen has has smacked a lot of people in the face and shown them that. You know what I mean? And uh, there's a lot of people, and the, they'd love to have their only issue they're worried about right now is whether there's an intercounty championship or not. Um, but there's a lot more important things at play. Um, the great thing is the club championship has happened, and why not keep that keep that uh, train chugging along? You know, because um, the season's over. Like we're getting into winter. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no need to try and throw together a, a club championship. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have something like a, a failure under 14, and you'd have. Uh, you know, Mayo against Dublin for like a 10 minute half or something. You know what I mean? You're going to just, how extreme are you going to get? You know what I mean? If you keep changing yeah. the rules, throwing into shootouts, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a bit silly, you know? Mm, yeah. I suppose, yeah. And, and I suppose like another kind of factor to kind of add to that is obviously the weather conditions as well. Cause I mean, if, if a game has to get canceled or a game gets postponed and obviously we are, we are in Ireland and there are always storms and, and different kind of things. So, I mean, it'd be very likely that, um, that you know, games could get cancelled or postponed that would, you know, set the, the whole thing back further. Um, yeah. I, I suppose kind of getting on, you, you were obviously touching on the, the, the club final there between Brafie and Knockmore. Yes. Um, and a couple of young players coming through. Obviously, Darren McHale, he was one player, uh, in my opinion, who stood out quite a bit just from, just as a neutral kind of watching. Um, yeah. Like, would you say he could be a player that maybe James Horn would consider now to come into the inter-county setup maybe this year? Um, most, or kind of most definitely, you know, you know, this year or next year or 2025 or whenever, whenever it is. But um, most definitely, James Horn, in fairness to him, has has always um, looked at players from from other clubs. Um, uh, a, a good friend of mine, James Carr, came from a very small club called Arda. He was obviously good enough, and um, he he got his chance. And uh, for example, in, in other counties, they might look at clubs that are further down the line in terms of, of pecking order or, or results. But James Horn has often uh, picked out uh, players that um, would not be from clubs that are that are as well-known. Now, Knockmore is a well-known club um, on the Mayo scene for years. Um, you know, another good friend of mine, Kevin O'Neill, for example, was part of the last team that, that won that, along with Ray Dempsey, who was the manager. Uh, both of them obviously played for Mayo. Ray Dempsey played back in, I think it was the last time he played, was 97, 98. Um, so it, it's been known as a club that has produced Mayo players in the past, and most definitely that will all go towards towards helping that, him along too. And deservedly so, he's obviously a class act, and um, you know he's got the likes of Kevin McLaughlin there, who's playing midfield the last day, that um, can 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 show him the ropes too. And 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 that's what I was saying earlier on. If this championship was to go ahead, if I was James Horn or any other county manager, you got to be looking at players that that are that are currently in the flow. You know, what I mean, these guys are ready to go. These guys be ready to play another county final next weekend because that's the type of shape that they're in right now, and, and that's the that's the mentality of these guys. Mm. And would there be anyone else, even maybe, that you had a look at in the in the county championship that you think that maybe if they were to come into the setup or come into the team, that they could even uh, make a difference? Well, I mean, the the um, in the in the Brafey uh, Knockmore team, I felt there was there was some good players. I felt that. Overall, um, as I said, um, it was more of a more of a balanced uh, team effort on both sides. Um, you know, Aidan O'Shea was well marked, um, um, and you know, a lot of pressure was on the likes of himself to try and get that elusive county title. Like um, they've they've been a rival club of ours back home for years, and they've expanded over the years because um, they're based on one side of Castlebar Town, which meant a lot of younger players coming into the club and stuff. 
And sometimes that can be tough on a rural club that becomes an urban club overnight because um, it's a tough it's a tough kind of mix. And um, I feel the the clubs that lads have grown up together have a very tight knit community. The likes of Lock, Knock More kind of have a bit of an edge over that. Cross the line I had it years ago as well with, with, with you know with the Keir McDonald era as well and James Nallen and these players. Um, the intermediate championship, what I found very, very interesting was there was a team of called Ball who were like, you know, junior a good few years ago. And now have gone all the way up to senior, uh, taking on Kilshamaw. And again, Kilshamaw would have been a, a, a strong rival of our club at home for years. It's a small town, but it's a, it's a strong community. They were favourites for that and Ball, and Ball, you know, won deservedly so. And again, an even an even keel of players, but there's one or two players that that, that you could be looking at too um, because they've gone up to senior now in Mayo and like, Mayo is a very, very competitive championship. And if you're playing in senior football in Mayo, you have a certain ch- chance and you should have a certain chance of playing, of playing county over the years. And it shouldn't always um, be relying on the, on the same couple of clubs. And again, James Horn would be, would be looking at that too. Interestingly about the junior championship was that a team called Kilmaine, who actually lost an All-Ireland final last year, um, just about won that by a point. They bet uh, the, uh, the team called Kilmina, who are on the other side of Westport, Again, it's all around kind of central Mayo, um, by simply by a point, and um, it just showed you the, the com- competitiveness in that. Where you know Kilmaine would have had Mayo players over the years too, and now they're they were a junior team over the last while, and it, it's a healthy aspect in a way where there's always been a nice mix of Mayo players either from one side of the county or, or the other, and I think that's going to happen again. And because of these different results that have been thrown up over the last while, and um, there might be a very new different, new and different Mayo panel. Uh, this time next year or whenever the championship goes ahead because as I said the likes of James Horn is a very forward-thinking coach and if someone um, stands out to him he'll he'll make that happen. Um, Kilmaine what was uh, what was interesting with them last year is they actually lost the county final last year and came back and won it again this year and the reason they couldn't go forward is that they played Castlebar Mitchells. Castlebar Mitchells have a senior team also so when you win the county you can't actually go forward to the next stage which is fair so Kilmaine went forward, they won their semi-final and they actually lost the All-Ireland final and ended up back in junior again um, and luckily uh, won it over the weekend, which was, a, you know, it was a tough loss for Kilmaine, but, uh, you know, that's sport. Um, Ball are actually um, a club that's, that's um, the last time they had Mayo players was the likes of Alan Costello. He played for Mayo and then he went on to play for Sligo after that. And hopefully you'll see a few young lads, you know, from that team, you know, come into the Mayo panel and, maybe bring some rejuvenation to that too, because, um, you know, the, the, the mayor panel we've had for the last few years who have been some of the best players in the country, arguably over the, over the last hundred years. And they've just been unlucky. Unfortunately, the, the, the mileage is, 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 is gone, is gone a long way on the clock. And, um, you know, there's, there's, um, there's rejuvenation needed, which I say that with a heavy heart, but I mean, it happens more frequently saying the likes of Dublin, and uh, it'll it'll have to be happening again with uh, with Mayo. As I said, Baller are a very interesting club because one of their um, uh, founding members, uh, called Patrick William Nally, actually is uh, is the guy that has the Nally stand named after him in Crow Park. So um, you know, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll hear more of the likes of Baller, which is a tiny tiny village in in the, in the west of Ireland, but uh, it's a club etched in history. Interesting, interesting, um, and I suppose obviously with uh, with Braithy, if we if we if we touch on them, obviously, do you think now maybe with the with the possibility of there being a separate window for clubs that they will eventually get over the line? Do you think? Because obviously, I'd imagine in the past with the the inter county season, that's probably you know counteracted Braithy quite a lot because obviously if Mayo are reaching all Ireland finals, then the the O'Sheas aren't back in time and probably aren't 
ready for for the county championship so if there is a separate window do you think that could help clubs like Brafie and even some of the other clubs you mentioned as well oh most definitely um most definitely um uh, Ballantubber were a club that was kind of um, that managed to 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 battle that uh, pretty well over the years with, with the likes of the O'Connors um, and Alan Dillon uh, specifically as players that played for Mayo for a very long time and obviously the, the O'Connors are, are still you know obviously some of Mayo's brightest brightest sparks um, they managed to to hold on to that very well by Ballantubber being a very very successful county team but I think it it apprehended them big time going forward like. The, Ballantubber should have won an All-Ireland final. They're well capable of doing it. And unfortunately, uh, that's been elusive for them. So, um, yeah, most definitely. If you're a club team, it, it, it's a tough one where you produce these fantastic players. You get picked by the county, which is great for the club. Um, it's a great ride. And then, unfortunately, that those players aren't available through no fault of their own for a long time. And then, you know, when you have, you know, this round-robin kind of league in the middle of the championship coming into knockout which is not knockout and they're trying to make up their mind what it is these four teams and whatever else you know again it goes back and it takes away from the club too and I know that that's been a trial but I really hope that trial you know dies along with COVID uh, on the way out of here because it just it just make up, it makes yeah. no sense you know You're what I mean it's the super eights is it the super eights like I, I yeah. Yeah, straight out of the textbook of Sky TV and um, <laughs> like again it, it doesn't help the GA it doesn't help I mean when I say that, it doesn't help the clubs. Um, it helps it helps a certain percentage uh, in the GA, but like stuff like that is, is not needed. I think it just it just it takes the it takes the buzz out of the whole thing. And it, uh, over the last couple of years, it's affected crowd numbers big time. You know, we were we were up there. Uh, geez, I can't even remember what year it was, but you know, Mayo were playing Westmead as part of the Super Eights. Westmead still had a chance of uh, of going through, and there's not much of a crowd there. You know what I mean? And it was the same with the Donegal game after. It's, it's kind of like it's counter-effective, you know what I mean? And, and you, can't blame, you can't blame fans too. They're traveling a long way up to Dublin. It's a big cost involved, especially if you're bringing a family up there. And that's why you're going to have empty stadiums because there's, there's too many games when it comes to that business end of the season. Like, you either have a business end of the season or you don't. You don't go back into a league format again. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, we're trying to get this game spread across the world. You're trying to explain some of the rules to people. They keep getting changed every five minutes. And now the, the whole competition format gets changed every five minutes. And it's... Mm. It's unnecessary, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's yeah. unnecessary. Yeah, no, that I definitely do agree with, especially bringing in like the advanced mark and the kick out mark and all these other rules as well. Like I don't know why they seem to to keep changing it. Like I think at the end of the day, like teams are going to set up with what they've got. Like you're not going to be able to change blanket defenses or anything like that. Like for, for like of Fermanagh and Carlo, etc. Like those counties are going to are going to make the most of of their resources and the most of what they have. You know, um, of course. You're right there, Aaron, because, um, you know, these great minds, like Jim, Jim McGuinness springs to mind straight away, um, that, um, that came up with, um, you know, these tactics of using the players that he had to get the most out of them. These guys are geniuses. Like, I was lucky enough to, um, you know, do my level two GA course with John Morrison, the late John Morrison of Armagh. He was at Mayo uh, back in 2006, the famous Hillgate with the Dubs. John Morrison yeah, John Morrison was with Mickey Moore and, um, and a fantastic partnership too. Like the first year they bring Mayo to an All-Ireland final and the viral final, the final's over and they're, they're showing the door straight away. And, you know, David Brady touched on that with his interview in, um, uh, with, his, um, with his TV show on, on, on TG Carr. Um, and again, another, another final that we let slip for whatever reason. But 
getting back to it, these are these are masterminds of, of guys who've studied Gaelic football for years and they've found ways of cracking the code and they've found ways of cracking the code with the players that they have. You know, um, if you take on a great team and you're successful, that's one thing. When you take on a you know a, a poor team, like Paddy O'Shea when he took on Westmeath, you know they they won a Leinster final. That that's they still talk about that to this day, of course. You know because that was that was their All Ireland final until they actually you know um, go on and win All Ireland. That John O'Mahony when he when he won a kind of title with Leitrim back in 1994. Same sort of thing. These are things that 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 that. that um, that stand out, Joe Kernan in in, in uh, zero two, and and these managers found a way of of, of cracking cracking this and, and finding a way through. Where sometimes if you're a manager of a great team, you mightn't get as many accolades, but that's just the way it is. So why keep changing the game? You know, the game is a fantastic game. Don't keep changing it and ruining it. Soccer hasn't changed. I think since we were born, the only thing that's happened in soccer is well, players are more prima donnas, obviously, but like. The back pass, you know, so you could pass the ball back to the goalkeeper uh, before, and now he can't pick it up. And I think that's been the only rule changed in soccer. You know, my biggest piece of advice to anyone watching this interview right now is that you know, when you have the time and when we're allowed, mix up, mix and meet up again, is to do a refereeing course because you're at these refereeing courses uh, held by the GA, and um, they're a great learning curve. Because you find out there's people all around you with different, um, you know, levels of, of playing ability and coaching ability, et cetera, et cetera. And even as a room of people together, we're all trying to figure out what the GA rules are. Because someone will say, oh, that's a black card or a red card or a yellow card. But people don't actually know. People can't remember what's what because the rules keep changing. And mm-hmm. if you've got GA fanatics in a room and they know the game inside and out and, you know, the... the um, you know, the, the, the mentor at the time is saying, well, no, that's actually incorrect because in the rule book under this section it says this. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign mm-hmm. if people don't understand the rules because the rules keep changing. You know what I mean? And it's an amateur game too, so people don't always have the time to invest, um, you know, in this all of the time too, especially when they're trying to pass these rules on to, you know, kids in their club at home or younger players or whatever else. But what I certainly learned from it was that if you do a refereeing course, you learn more and more about the game. You might learn a few tricks along the way too, as well. Um, David Goff is actually our mentor, and obviously he's a very famous ref in in, uh, in Crow Park, and you know, rightfully so, he's done a great job over the years, and I think he's a very fair ref. And um, you know, it was a learning curve, and it's a bit of a shock because uh, there was a few of us there that have coached college teams and, and ladies football teams, and we were, we we didn't know some of the answers to be thrown at us. And I think if you keep changing the rules in GA, you're going to turn off a lot of people, and 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 you know, there's there's no need. There's absolutely no need. I mean, if you're some of the these rules, I nearly I nearly feel like you're making them so that we can groom our players to go straight to Australia. I mean, that's that's great for the individual, but it's not great for the game overall. No, definitely not. And I suppose obviously you touched on um on on, on your referee inside of things. I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely touch on that in a moment. But just go, going back to to what you were saying previous previously to that. Obviously, you were mentioning like tactics and and whatnot. Like, where do you, what do you think went wrong for Mayo in all those uh, all those All Ireland finals? Because for me, they were definitely good enough more often than not to to beat Dublin in those All Ireland finals. And obviously, it is a it is a very tricky issue because there's a lot to it. I think, but like in your opinion, where do you, where do you think it's uh, what? Why do you think Mayo haven't won an All Ireland in such a long time? Look. And it, it's it's funny you ask me that question, and it's almost like we're talking about a death in the family. Like you know what I mean? It, 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 that's how it affects a male person. Yeah, like, yeah. like it, I feel sad now, Aaron. You know, to be honest. But um, look, 
the thing is, when you're watching, you know, a great movie and, and you're, you know, you're, you're watching Batman and, like, without, without the Joker, like, it's, it doesn't make it as great of a movie. You know, you, you kind of need that comp- competitive edge. You know, you always, you always need it. You know, many people have watched The Last Dance on Netflix and, you know, you need that rivalry of, of various teams that, that, you know, came up against the Bulls and made them the great team that they were. And Dublin players, like, I've been lucky enough to play in Dublin myself and I got to know a lot of the Dublin players. You know, they appreciate what Mayo have brought to the competition. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like Dublin, like, they're, look, it's tough to lose to the likes of Dublin, obviously, but, like, you have massive respect for them too because they've gone out and done it. And they've done it and they've done it and they've done it. Whether it's been a buy a point or whatever else, last year, obviously, you know, it wasn't beaten. Dublin deserved to win. That's just the way it is. But, but Dublin have done it over and over again. Um, Mayo have been respected because they've been such great opponents. And when you ask me how Mayo have lost those games when there's been like a point in it, we've drawn with Dublin, we've had to send an off, you've had to send an off. It's very hard. It's a very hard one to, to call. Um, you know, Paul O'Shea back in the, the day said, you know, you know, the, 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 a grain of rice would tip the scales in some of these games. And, and that's what it was. Like, um, I, I just can't, I just can't, you know, say what exactly it was on the day. Maybe Dublin just had a bit more nerves, you know, in front of a crowd or whatever else. But there's been very, very little in it. Um, one thing I will say is that in some games, the Mayo would start with their best 15 and Dublin mightn't start with their best 15, but might steady the ship when they bring on the older players. Like, you know, the likes of Bernard Brogan was coming on, O'Gara was coming on. Michael Darren McCauley, if he didn't start, he'd be coming on. You know, uh, a, a good Mayo cousin, Kevin McManaman, would be coming on. And and, and th- they were some big names to roll in. Like, you know what I mean? We just want to steady the ship and, and see it out. Where Mayo mightn't have had the strength and depth. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's certain players, you know, the likes of Keith Higgins, Cullen Boyle, you know, Shamey and Aidan O'Shea, Andy Moran, and these fantastic players. I could go on and on. The O'Connors, I could go on and on about lads that have been there. Like David Clark, you know, goalkeeper of the year. And... They've been there and they've been good enough, and it's been it's been the, a grain of rice that had tipped the scales and not in their favour. You know, we've had we've had a few hiccups with with um, giving away penalties, dropping certain players, certain players, you know, making you mistakes. The, do, you th- do you think the criticism is fair of Mayo that's kind of thrown their way sometimes, like with the, you know the likes of Joe Brawley and whatnot, kind of going no. on Mayo? No, and I I, I mean this wholeheartedly, uh, Joe Brawley, you know, he, he's, he's a very intelligent man. He says some, you know, he says some great things. He's got great foresight. He's a guy that, you know, I've met him once or twice and he, I'd, I'd love to sit down with him, you know, more often because, you know, he's one of those guys that would, would educate you when you're, when you're in the room with him, you know, in terms of his thinking. But kind of some of the abuse towards Mayo has been very unfair. You know, he, he's won in All-Ireland with, with a Derry team that, you know, had one or two decent players, and that's all they had, and they managed to scrape in All Ireland. Mayo have had some fantastic, fantastic players that have, like, look at all the All Stars Mayo won, and they won those All Stars out of their own merit. You know what I mean? And you, yeah. you, you know, the, the Mayo players are household names. Where and there's many, many other county winners, even for counties like Kerry and Dublin, that might be as household names as the Mayo players. And it, it's it's just been it's it's been very very little that that's, that's done it along the way. I think. With all the finals we've lost in Crow Park, I think the worst was actually we um, drew with Kerry in Crow Park, and that game was was re- obviously re- refixed for Crow Park, and these are the things that happened. Like, and it was a, a, a crazy, crazy game at, at the time, and then that game was fixed for the Gaelic Crowns in Limerick because a high school football team was being played in Crow Park at the time, which makes no sense at all. But and that could be a story for another day, like because I mean I thought Crow Park is for Gaelic games, not for some high school bunch of kids coming over from the US, but. 
uh, that's what happened. And when we were down to um, uh, the Gaelic grounds in Limerick, that was where uh, our famous club man, Mayo Mick, uh, went onto the field to have a word with the referee. But because most of the people in the crowd were feeling the same way, it, it, it was a game that so many decisions went against us that it, it broke us. It actually broke us spirit, our spirits as well because it, it, it's been something like, that. Is this actually possible? Like, like are we ever you know, going to win in All-Ireland? And it's funny, that's, that was a semi-final and that stood out more as, as, as a hurt than any, any other final because we were good enough. We've been good enough so many times and... It, it, there's there's been nothing in it like like the, you know the time Killian Killian misses misses the last ditch free you know what I mean and Lee Keegan throws the GPS at, at, at Rock but like to be fair I don't feel that was a free in in the first place we could go on about it but like there's just if you're to beat Dublin and Crow Park you have to beat them well you know what I mean you you, you can't take any prisoners like you have to beat them well and um, we, we've gone up at times against Dublin we've let the let the lead slip we've made one or two little mistakes but. Dublin are a machine, and you have to hold their hats to them too. Like they're very, very good, and um, you could argue that they're playing in their in their in their back garden as well. But like, look, that's just the way it is. That, that, you know, you have, it's the same with anyone playing Dublin up there. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not fair on, on, on blaming these things in Dublin. That's just the way it is. Um, but look, it, it, it's tough. And um, what I feel um, the most tough about this year is that, um, as I said last year, we had a great celebration in New York where. You know, I was lucky enough to um, actually uh, host an event along with David Brady, who's a, a an idol of mine from from uh, from. Jeez, I think he done I think he done about what twelve years playing for Mayo. Um, he probably correct me with that now if he if he sees this interview. But um, you know, an absolute stalwart and, and a legend of a man. And we we raised um, we raised funny funds for the uh, for the Mayo team both in New York and uh, and back home as well as part of the Mayo Foundation and. Um, to see the amount of people out in in places like New York that travel from all over America that were Mayo supporters, you know, it it really it really uh, it really opens your open open opens your eyes and, and appreciate like where you come from because because of where we're from uh, in Mayo, a lot of people have emigrated over the years, but they've held on to that Mayoness the whole time, and and uh, then people feel let down all the time, and the Mayo players feel let down, letting them down all the time. But it's it's just one of those things. It hasn't happened yet. It will happen. We won under twenty one All Ireland. Back in sixteen, you know, it will happen. It will happen. It's just not yet. And unfortunately, part of the reason we're so, such a famous team is the fact of, of of the story behind it, which has been a tough one. But um, look, what are you going to do, Aaron? Like, it's it's sport. Sport isn't always fair. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. No. And look, look, listen. I definitely, you know, they're definitely one of the best teams of all time. Definitely the best team to to never win the All Ireland. Um, well, in seventy years, anyway. At least this current team. Um, yeah. But definitely, even like, like even from going to a lot of the All Ireland finals in Crow Park and speaking to a lot of Mayo fans, like I've always had a lot of time for for Mayo fans, even despite the, the Dublin Mayo rivalry and, and what you know what goes on there. But like I've always said, like definitely, you know, I mean, I remember even 2012 when when Mayo beat Dublin and they were playing Donegal, and um, I knew the way Donegal played. Obviously, very defensive. Dublin had played Donegal in 2011. Yeah. I remember going into the Mayo playing Donegal. And I was like, you know, I actually want Mayo to win this final and to be fair that was before the the Dublin Mayo rivalry had really heated up but um, yeah I mean look listen you know it it would be a weird one to see Mayo beat Dublin in a final maybe if they could beat a Kerry you know that would kind of (laughs) soften yeah yeah but what do you think needs to change for for, for Mayo maybe to get over the line obviously they had 
um, you know, under 20 success. They, you know, reached the, an all-around final, I think, in 2018 and under 21 as well. Like, what, what, yeah. what would you say needs to change? Like, is it a culture issue in, inside Mayo, like what many people are saying, or is it, is it something different? So, you know, the thing is about Mayo is that I think everyone in Mayo really wants Mayo to, you know, to succeed. But sometimes um, the heart overrules the head in, in decisions that are made. Um, this time last year, you know, Mayo uh, were, had, the, had the famous gathering in Times Square. We, we sent out a few tweets on, on Mayo Banter and Marty Morrissey was a part of that. And, you know, we got the Mayo brand out there and it, it, was, it, was, it was the greatest weekend ever. We, we ran a, uh, an event in Cipriani's, uh, which is right beside the financial district. The, the famous uh, bowl is there as well. And, you know, it was a beautiful um, uh, dinner for the players and all the, the backroom staff of Mayo. We raised money for Mayo. We, we promoted the county as well. Um, I hosted an event along with David Brady and uh, Rosie O'Grady's uh, the night after. Another huge crowd, green and red all over New York that weekend. And remember, we're only after winning the league uh, final as well. So it was a fantastic celebration. And, you know, the year was very, very promising. And it went all the way until Dublin dismantled us. Um, but it was kind of overshadowed by some of the stuff that happened in, 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 the, in the background of Mayo. And I think... Um, the background of, of Mayo football has been a bit of an issue over the last couple of years where, you know, certain people are trying to pull power from others and uh, it's detrimental to the actual county team. Certain players are being picked, certain players weren't being picked, certain people put in positions and other people weren't put in positions. And uh, that came out with, with the Mayo Foundation last year where, you know, there was a, a, a guy called Tim O'Leary who done his very, very best to help um, you know, raise raise awareness for County Mayo and, and you know raise much needed funds for the players because because of the expense of being on the road all the time with with the county team. And um, I was a part of that as well, uh, along with another group of people, and it was very successful. But um, there was then issues with the county board in terms of a kind of a bit of a power struggle, and I feel like that didn't help players on the field because they're just going to try and play on the field, and if you're helping us help us kind of together and I think sometimes there's been a lot of divides no county is perfect but I feel that Mayo um, the defeat has kind of been from the inside at some times and I feel that's very frustrating and it's and it's tough and I think a lot of people mean well but it just um, it just doesn't come out that way and, and I think the players end up uh, bearing the brunt of it at the, at the end of the day and you know players have stepped away over the years too for for, for various reasons and you know we've lost a few few players over personal reasons and you kind of wonder you know it was there something else behind that too and it, it, it's just kind of a pity because you know the success doesn't roll in and it's another year gone by and this year 2020 will probably go by again whether there's a championship or not but it's I think whoever wins it this year if there is something it won't be the same um, as, as it was but you certainly have to look forward to the future and I think Mayo has some very very promising footballers the key is to hold on to those footballers because we've had promising footballers in the past you know, the, the current Mayo team, um, you know, won around 21 a few years ago as well. And, um, you know, they haven't obviously made that happen at senior level just yet. But again, if last weekend is anything to show for it, there's a few new players on the horizon again from, from other clubs. And uh, hopefully they get put into the mix as well. And, you know, you know the 2021 season is, uh, is uh, just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And obviously there you were mentioning kind of some of your work you did with, uh, with Mayo GA Banter. Um, like what prompted you to, to get involved with that and what was the, the story uh, behind setting that up? Yeah, well, the, the beauty of, of, of Mayo Banter was basically, you know, I suppose having a laugh uh, at ourselves. Like the GA 
there's a reason why uh, you know I've, I interviewed the likes of Rory Stories a couple of years ago on, on radio and uh, the two Johnnies as well and there's a few there's a few characters that come out of the GA everywhere where um, they're basically just telling the story of what happens behind the scenes in the GA and it's you know it's a it's almost uh, Father Ted with uh, with an O'Neill's thrown in at times you know what I mean and it's it's you know it, it's it, look it's a great thing at times and at other times it can be frustrating so you have to just have a laugh because at the end of the day. It's just a game, you know what I mean? And, and uh, we might talk about it till the cows come home, but it's still just a game, you know? Um, so Mayo banter was basically just the banter around Mayo, whether it was, um, you know, football, hurling, farming, having the crack, uh, whatever it was, uh, out having a few points that uh, we put that across in, in Mayo banter. And, um, you know, it was great. We had a great community from abroad as well. I had um, a uh, podcast going there for a while too until I've had other commitments uh, since then but like with the podcast on SoundCloud you could see that we had uh, you know listeners from Australia Singapore Indonesia uh, like from from North North Canada Argentina the most random places in the world where basically people had emigrated and they're like just trying to stay in touch with people back home too so um, that was great about it like there, there really is a massive uh, Mayo diaspora and uh, you know people people enjoy it um, I suppose over the last while, um, I have other projects that have come up myself in, in terms of the, you know, media side of things over here, and um, it's it's hard to kind of uh, keep up the uh, keep up the same same loafer when you're when you're away because you're not around the the same uh, the same kind of crack that's happening at home. But um, look, it's it's a it's a great uh, it's a great website to have because it keeps people in contact, it keeps the lighter side of. Uh, the games alive as well and uh, you know people love asking you know what's happening with the games and you know do you think this is going to happen and you know we have a little poll going all the time whether it's on you know twitter instagram whatever it is and um you know keeps people in contact and uh i think that's the most that's the most likable thing about it is that like there's a nice little community there of people and uh, there's people all over the world who are very supportive of us over the last couple of years too so you know we really appreciate that um, there's two, um, there's three lads, uh, they're called the Three Books Left, um, they're friends of ours, and they were part of the Hardy Books back in the day, and uh, just while we're on about that, they, yeah, the, there's, uh, there's Salmon, French Toast, and Cowboy, and they're doing a run actually soon for um, the Mayo Roscommon Hospice, so, so as well, we're on that, we might as well give them a shout out as well, because um, they're doing this massive run across Ireland um, for that, they're good, they're good friends of us uh, from Mayo Banter as well, so, there's a there's a few comedians down there in Mayo and uh, we kind of we kind of banter together around the football or whatever it is you know so um, no it's it's look it's a great thing it's like you you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening and you know you'd have young lads coming up to you you know uh, especially when you're in New York you'd, you'd American lads asking you about oh we we love the Mayo banter and you know so <laughs> it's funny you know it's funny it's it's yeah. uh, you have to have a laugh you know we 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 uh, we've often messaged the lads in Hill 16 as well and you know get them a bit of slagging and vice versa yeah. so. But you have to have the laugh, you know what I mean? And I mean, it's still, it's still just a game, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, yeah, and I suppose obviously then, um, you know, Gortha 47, which obviously you set up like a, a custom range of, of gloves. Um, yeah. Like, can you talk a bit about that as well and kind of how you how you transitioned into that from obviously doing the, the Mayo GEA banter stuff as well? Yeah, so I mean, as any Gilgores listening will understand, Gortha means hunger and I feel that um, I put a spin on on the brand where hunger in Ireland had been used in negative in terms of where we had the the famine that of course uh, didn't exist. But um, I tried to put a spin on it where the reason that we have such a strong diaspora across the world is because of our hunger. So like Irish people have left Ireland 
for various reasons, whether it was to, you know, uh, certainly back in the day it was to, to find a better life or in more recent times is to find that there's, there's uh, more varying careers elsewhere uh, in a bigger market. But initially the reason people left Ireland was that, you know, orchestrated uh, famines back in the day and uh, they had no other choice. So we set up some very, very strong routes, you know, from Australia all the way to North America and everywhere in between. And uh, that's where I went with the name, uh, Gertha, I mean, in Humber, 47, related back to Black 47, which was one of the worst years in, in Irish history. And um, the brand was basically focused on um, su supplying apparel that, uh, that uh, you know, Gaelic footballers and hurlers needed uh, here and now, but it had the best, uh, best products out there. So we've sponsored a couple of players um, across Ireland, um, a couple of the Mayo ladies as well. Uh, we sponsored James Carr as well, uh, Matthew Ran. And um, the idea was to have a kind of a higher end product uh, in, in the line of, uh, you know, GA wear, uh, mainly focused on gloves and hats and apparel, because I feel that sometimes it's been kind of uh, masked by, you know, the big brand of O'Neill's and it doesn't kind of bring a lot of value to it. Our idea was to bring a message of connecting the diaspora abroad and having products abroad first and then selling them back into Ireland. So. I'm actually uh, in a couple of stores in both uh, New York and in Toronto as well, where um, if you're based out in this part of the world, you can actually buy them out here rather than trying to uh, buy them from back home as well. And um, the beauty of it was that we, I suppose we used the likes of uh, Mayo Banter to kind of showcase uh, the brand because for years we've been giving out free content with Mayo Banter and we've been covering a lot of games. And, you know, it's kind of people's way of kind of supporting the page too if, um, they want to buy our products rather than going elsewhere because they are very, very good products, and that's why you know we've had a couple of the top players wearing them as well. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a journey because um, it's been tough. We just set it up just before, before the the COVID nineteen hit this year, so uh, that's been very, very tough. Um, but you know, hopefully going forward, you know, people will uh, will reach out and uh, you know if they need any uh, Gaelic football gloves or any sort sort of apparel for their clubs, um, they can just read out and send us a message, and we'll uh, we'll sort them out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll be sure to uh, to link that down below as well in case anyone wants to uh, to check it out. Um, I suppose, how has it been like with the lockdown and all that? Like what kind of, um, I'd imagine obviously you were, you were kind of touching on it there with the whole COVID situation. Like it's definitely, um, I'd say it was definitely a challenge to try and uh, keep that up and running obviously during this uh, this tricky period. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been very, very tough because there's been no games. So there's no need for anyone to buy uh, any of the apparel that they're not playing any games right now. And, Look, these are just things that happen. Uh, they get thrown in, thrown into into your face at times, but like you just gotta gotta work around it. You know what I mean? Um, we um, we still have some orders to fulfil from from last year, and these clubs will fulfil them. Um, they've just been kind of stalled because they don't, especially in North America, they can't really be playing any games right now, so they're kind of they're kind of stuck. Um, but look, there's always a way to pivot. There's always a way just to you know stay positive with the whole thing, and and you'll, you'll get through it. You know what I mean? The the cream always rises to the top, so. Um, when people realize it's a good brand and they, they enjoy wearing the products, well then, um, you know, you're, you're all set. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to shop local, that'll be appreciated. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, and I suppose moving forward then with uh, with Gortha 47 and, uh, and Mayo GA Banter, like, do you have any plans kind of coming up in the, in the future or in terms of the page or anything like that? Or is it kind of going to stay along the kind of the same lines? Well, yeah, with Mayo Banter, my plan all along was, you know, absolute world domination, you know, so I, you know, I just wanted to aim in a certain, a certain trajectory, you know, along the way. Um, uh, yeah, there's one or two partners in, 
involved in, in Mayo Banter as well. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you're part of a group, uh, you don't always kind of have the same alignments, I suppose. Um, and that's something you have to work through because, you know, a lot of people are giving their time uh, to it as well. But um, what I tried to bring across last year was the likes of uh, when we went to New York and, and we, like, ran these events. They were very, very successful. And then we ran a live event from Gaelic Park itself. We were interviewing players and, and foreign players as well. And uh, it really showed that we were well able to, um, you know, kind of battle along the lines of a media company. Like, um, I've, I've been lucky enough to work in both TV and radio, so uh, I know that industry in and out. And, um, you know, with some with some funding, we, uh, we would have been along the lines of, of doing particularly well in that field. But um, as I said, it, I think it's more of a kind of trying to uh, kind of come together and, and figure out more of a more of a clear strategy going forward because the uh, Mayo market is, is uh, a pretty small market and um, I mean we kind of want to get a bit more of a wider scope to uh, to move forward with that but we always are trying to move forward we still, we still want to cover Mayo one of my proudest achievements was you know getting uh, a promotion for the Mayo ladies football before any of the likes of you know, little got involved, or any of the other branding uh, got involved. Now we have a great situation where some of the ladies players are more well known than some of the men players now, and um, they are they're getting so well known that uh, I think the ladies game are losing many of their top talent to Australia, which can be seen as a pro and a con depending on which camp you're you're in. But uh, uh, the beauty of it was is that I liked to give kind of uh, a platform to the lesser known of either club football, especially you know, junior football or or the ladies football as well, because that wasn't there initially. I think what we've seen uh, because of COVID is even the likes of RTE have decided to, you know, all of a sudden start showing club games because they have nothing else to show on their on their channel. And, uh, you know, every other program is pretty, pretty bad. I don't know if they're still showing Fair City back there, but uh, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what else we're yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Andoyle yeah. is still, I don't know. But, you know, it's... it's um, the media, the media side of things is tough, but it's thoroughly enjoyable too, you know, because uh, say the likes of yourself, Aaron, like, you know, you've got a fantastic uh, podcast going with there at the YouTube channel as well, and you've another angle of looking at Gaelic games in, in your light, and I think that's great to know, because I think you need more balanced views. You know, if you look back mm-hmm. on it, um, a couple of years ago, um, a lot of, there was a lot more newspapers out there, so all these newspapers showed people different views of everything. The newspapers all died, or they became one conglomerate of newspapers, and then the same opinion was put out there all the time. Where now we're of this massive shift, where like you have your channel is out there, you've got you know the Joe.ie channel, you've got the I suppose the older traditional ones like the Examiner or T, etc., etc. But you need to have everyone's view out there too, you know. And I, I think that it opens it up a bit more, and it gives more of a, a more sheds more of a light on, on various topics where before the traditional channels might just show. A very one-sided view. Yeah, no, and I think even with uh, with RTE and and some of the other kind of mainstream platforms, sometimes I think, like even I know Joe Brawley is controversial a lot of the time, and obviously you touched on it, but I did think a lot of the time he he was speaking a lot of sense and he was speaking from his heart a lot of the time, and you can't really you can't fault him for that, like. Um, yeah. So, so definitely, you know that that is my plan, obviously, and I think um, even with yourself or what you're what you're doing with with Mayo GA Banter. And even multiple other podcasts out there, you know, GA podcasts I've, I've been listening to. I think they've all been doing uh, they've all been doing great work as well. Okay, so that's going to be the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Paul, for coming on. Um, obviously, I'll link down Gertha 47 and uh, Mayo GA Banter, of course, in the link down below. 
Um, yeah, obviously it was good speaking to yourself, obviously in regards to, um, you know, the Mayo Football Championship. And, and obviously if we do have uh, an all-round championship that does go ahead, who knows, maybe Mayo and Dublin will, uh, will meet each other in the final and we can, uh, we can, we can make some more uh, videos around that for sure. Look, listen, best of luck with everything anyway. I'll link everything down below. And yeah, it was good speaking to you. Thanks, Aaron. Um, I'm not really too sure where you're going to go now in Crow Park if, if we meet up because uh, the big tree is gone and uh, I don't know what's where's, where's left to go drinking, but uh, that was our spot anyways. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, thanks very much for having on the show. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, I love the whole website. I love your angle of looking at the, at the games uh, that we love and we love talking about every every five minutes. And um, yeah, listen, you can get me a pint in uh, Dublin sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, be sure. Yeah, I mean, the, but the pubs aren't open though, so I might, I don't know, I might have to drink down a field or something. The way uh, <laughs> the way things are going, but sure, we'll see. Uh, we'll see in the coming weeks, anyway. Good stuff. Good stuff.